On today's episode of Locked On Suns, Matt Ishbia says the Phoenix Suns roster is complete. Is that true? We'll break it down. Let's go. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcasts. A big thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Hopefully, you are beating the heat in some way, shape, or form, and these storms are here to stay if you are local to the Valley. No matter where you're finding us, no matter where you live, no matter who you are, become an everydayer. Stay locked on to the Phoenix Suns each and every day of the week by hitting follow or subscribe. We're free and available everywhere, so just search Locked On Suns wherever you get your podcasts to go ahead and get this show in your feed Monday through Friday throughout the offseason and beyond. We have some... Nerdy? Geeky? I don't know. It's what you come here for, that type of stuff to get to today, as well as a little bit of analysis of what this roster will actually look like. So we're really going to break down 1 through 15, where do things stand, and what does it all look like. Today's show is brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. So Matt Ishbia today, or this week, I believe Two Burns and Gambo on the radio said, quote, I think our roster is phenomenal. I think our coaching staff is phenomenal. I love our players. I think we have a championship caliber team as it stands right now. With that being said, I don't forecast or predict any other moves. But with that being said, that could change tomorrow. Certain phone call comes in. Someone checks in. But we love our team right now. I think the team that we have out there well exceeds even what we hoped after the season ended. Now, that last part I agree with. You know, I did a show last week, I believe, that was pretty much just looking at the idea of did the Suns do the best with what they had at their disposal? And I think when you think of turning Chris Paul into Bradley Beal feels like a pretty massive upgrade. And, of course, the veterans' minimum signings that they were able to go out and get guys like Bates Diop, Eric Gordon, and Drew Eubanks, who were even Yuto Watanabe, who were uh, highly valued bench pieces that the Suns got at what looks like a discount. All of that is very good, and I think Matt Ishbia is right on to be pretty excited and pretty optimistic about what they have. The bigger question is if the first part of it is actually going to stand, and I think We'll get into some of the CBA rules about how they could continue to shape this roster uh, in the coming months and I guess up until next offseason based on some of this second apron regulation that they're facing now. But there's a few things that I didn't get to about the campaign trade that I want to do now. And one of them, maybe most importantly, is the trade exceptions, right? And so this is something that's available to the Sun starting right this instant, but will also continue to be available to them all the way through the season during 
and up to and after, well, although obviously they can't make a trade after the trade deadline, right? So this is from Bobby Marks at ESPN who said, who tweeted that, quote, the Suns continue to maximize the one-year window before the more stringent rules, which again, I'll get to in a second, are applied for second apron teams. In the span of a month, Phoenix has sent $10.3 million out in two separate trades, $4.6 million to Washington, $5.7 million to San Antonio. The cash reset to $7 million starting on July 1st. That's the amount that they're able to send out. And again, teams over the second apron are not allowed to send cash in a trade. The other part of this, though, that's important is the, again, trade exception. So that's how they went about acquiring this most recent one. They got one back in the San Antonio deal and uh, one back in the Dario Sharge deal at the deadline. So the campaign trade, the Dario Sharge trade, both were thought of as cash dumps, which is some of what what Bobby Marks is getting at there, right? Um, it's it's interesting to, to try to to try to analyze it. I actually want to get to that in a second. Let me stay focused on the trade exceptions. The one that they now have from the pain deal because they did not take a player back in that trade is six and a half million dollars. They also had one that's about four point nine million from the charge trade, and that's basically the difference. Some sort of math related to the difference between Sharich's salary and Darius Baisley's salary at the time of that deal in February. Now, again, you know the the Baisley deal did not have any cash going out, but it did have a second round pick. Now, the Washington and the San Antonio deals have this cash going out. It all ends up with different stuff in these multiple different dumps of cash and different things with these two trade exceptions. Those are weapons that the Suns have in their arsenal through the end of this of the season. And that's when some of the hammer starts to come down regarding the second apron. So, again, those exceptions with the now... Uh, it's about five second-round picks. I've seen people calling it six, but they did send one out. Uh, one of the ones that they just got from Memphis in the last pick swap trade about a week ago, they now sent one of those to San Antonio in addition to that $6 million or so in cash along with campaign to get this exception back and dump the salary and dump the roster spot. So they really have five, plus these two exceptions, and that should allow them to continue to upgrade the roster. But those types of moves I don't see as necessarily something that needs to happen right now or that even makes sense to happen right now. The Suns are pretty content with their roster, as Ishbia has said, and we'll talk about to close the show. I wouldn't be in a rush to do anything. We know effectively... At We'll get into that in a second. There are very limited trades that they can even make at this point in time, and the roster spot situation is pretty much closed off now that they added Bull Bull on this guaranteed deal, and they seem to like Ish Wainwright. He seems to fit what Frank Vogel wants. So in a nutshell, yes. In short, yes. This roster, it is complete. I do just want to note, as I'm kind of recapping and, and revisiting and putting a tying a bow onto what it is that they did in this pain trade that that one in combination with the charge deal, there's sort of the downside of, of, of spending like crazy and being so aggressive with trades. Right. And I think that there is part of you that can criticize that they did not keep Baisley. Right. And they didn't even play it. 
Maybe they never thought he was much of anything as a player in the first place, and it was purely a dump from the beginning. Sharich only signed a minimum contract this offseason. I think people are concerned about the injury history, the lack of athleticism that might have even lessened. But he played well in Oklahoma City, and I feel like he's going to play well in Golden State, and, and you had to pay a significant, a decent amount to get off of him, and then the thing you got back you did not even evaluate, which is obviously not a thing. It is Darius Baisley. Similar in this pain situation, they didn't even get anything back, and they had to send out a bunch of money and another second-round pick. So on the one hand, again, you can criticize it, right? It is a little bit disappointing that you're losing these assets for nothing just because of the, the cash and the luxury tax payments and some of the roster crunch stuff and everything else. But I guess there is also something to be said for the fact that, you know, whereas under Robert Sarver, you might have seen... Uh, an attack like Kurt Thomas, right? When they had to dump Kurt Thomas, it cost them two first round picks in order to do that. Now the cost of doing business with those types of trades has changed over time. It's not quite as expensive, quote unquote, with assets you have to attach to get off of contracts, but it is still also a sign of progress and a sign of intelligence and everything else that they're not in the business of doing stupid trades with valuable stuff just to save their money. In fact, they're spending more money, $6 million nearly going to the Spurs solely to not have the multiplier effect of the luxury tax that they would have to pay if Payne had remained on the roster. The decrease of about $4 million from Payne's salary to Bull's salary makes that well worth it. So some type of a value lost there, but in the big picture, the willingness to eat the money and the willingness to do what's necessary to get players you want, there is something to be appreciated for that. Baisley did not turn into anything. We will see if Bull Bull turns into anything, but those are sort of separate evaluations. The process of getting this roster to where it is, again, they did the best they could with the Paul upgrade. They added so many veterans that are undervalued on that minimum contract, and now some of these trades to clear things up, again, an evidence of spending and doing what it takes. I think the roster is complete. They have some of those utilities to get to the next level if they want to. So let's talk next about what those might look like. First, take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. Sound good? I love betting baseball, honestly. I, uh, I have a few accounts that I like to follow, which definitely helps make it fun, but it's daily. It is, there's the five inning stuff that's really fun. There is obviously props. Just bet 20 bucks at FanDuel and you'll land $200 back in bonus bets, win or lose. That's 200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run, all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get up to $200 in those bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. FanDuel, an official partner of Major League Baseball. All right, let's keep it going here. Um, uh, hats off and, and tip of the hat and all the things related to hats to Dave King of Bright Side of the Sun. First, uh, for a great tenure running the website, and that has now dissipated, but he has stepped down. But uh, I don't know why I said dissipated. That was a very strange way to put it. Dave is stepping aside from the managing editor role over there, but he's still doing great work as a writer. And here, let me get to my point. Here is some of the stuff that the Suns are able 
to do still. And then we'll get to some of the things that they, the increased restrictions that will come down on them starting July 1st of next year. All right. So as of now, from now through the end of this upcoming season, the Suns can still aggregate players both directions in trades. As Dave notes, though, really, Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are on this list of people that could be traded. They're not going to get traded. Ish Wainwright and DeAndre Ayton are the only players that can be dealt because of how recently they were signed. So right now, this instant, it doesn't quite matter so much, but... When you think of Aiton plus Kamara, for instance, you know, something like that uh, is at least plausible. I don't think it's going to happen even this year, but you just think about it that way, right? That's some of, uh, of what they can still do. They can, this is the more important part. They can take back up to 10% more in salaries than they send out in trade through the end of the season, after which that becomes 0%. So if you've been listening to this show, I was a little bit cloudy on when that particular rule came into effect. And that is the answer for us, okay? So through the rest of this season, they can take 10% more in salaries. The rest of the NBA is allowed to take 25%, 125%, so uh, an increase of 25%. The Suns only get 10, but that's still important. 10, is, 10 can be a lot when you're dealing with, with big numbers. After that, it's going to be zero. So they have to take either exactly the same amount back that they're sending out or less, but no more. The Suns right now can acquire a player via trade into their $4.9 million trade exception. Player's salary can be up to 10% higher than that trade exception value. So that works the same way as the salary of a player, meaning that the Suns can get somebody that makes 10% more than the $4.9 million or 10% more than the $6.5 million, and that will still work they have to send out a future draft pick or cash in return now because that seven million dollars is the limit on cash and the suns just sent out 5.7 of it to san antonio they only have about one and a half left okay they can use up to three second round picks um uh, sorry up to five second round picks in the trade that's just what they have that's not really related to the cba they have the ability to send some of these swaps out continually like they already have, although they're kind of getting to the bottom of the barrel there. But the other thing to remember is at the end of the league year, although some of these rules go into effect at the very end of the season versus some of them go into effect July 1st, we won't get into that. But next year at the draft, the Suns will have the ability to trade their pick on draft night, right? Because we don't know what the trade, what exactly the, the number of that pick will be based on some of the swaps with Washington, Memphis, and Phoenix all involved in 2024. But once we get to draft night, the Suns will have a first-round pick next year. It sounds crazy. That's, that's true. That's real. It might be a bad one, but it will be a first-round pick. And on that night, they can trade that along with whatever else they want to attach to it for something. All right? Now... This year, here's what the Suns cannot do. And some of these rules you have already heard me talk about, and they already are in effect. Again, remember, the league is spreading this stuff out under the new collective bargaining agreement so that not everything hits at the same time and teams have a little bit of a period to adjust to what's coming. They cannot sign a bought-out player whose salary was greater than league average, which is $12.4 million this season. Okay, I thought it was the equivalent of the mid-level. It's apparently the league average. Either way, they're about the same. 
Cannot offer more than the league minimum to free agents. Okay, but that's just because of where they are. They don't have any exceptions. That's not like a punishment thing. That's just the rules. They cannot take back more than 10%. Again, other teams can take 125%. And they can't receive a player in a trade who is signed and traded. Okay, so not allowed to do that because they're already... This is some of what came up with Kyrie Irving and James Harden, right? The Suns are already so far above the tax line that the hard cap that comes into effect when a team does a sign-in trade, they're already above that. So they're like retroactively prevented from doing it, okay? Now, some of the stuff that's upcoming. Tamani Kamara just got signed, so his he's on a pause from being eligible to be traded because he's a draft pick until early August. That's like the Andrew Wiggins thing with LeBron, remember? They cannot trade anybody that they signed as a free agent this year until at least December 15th. They cannot trade a player who signed the veteran's minimum at any point during the deal without their approval. Veteran, veteran minimum players have an implied no-trade clause because they're on a one-year deal for the minimum. If they got to be traded willy-nilly, then that affects where they might want to choose to go. It's a little unfair, so that rule's always been in place. And then they cannot trade a newly acquired player in another trade for 30 days. So that would be Jordan Goodwin and Bradley Beal. Those guys were techn will technically be eligible to be traded in late July. They're not trading Bradley Beal. Potentially could trade Jordan Goodwin, I guess. I don't, I don't expect that. But if you're talking about, again, potentially, because it's the last thing available, I am not trying to harp on it. But anything related to DeAndre Ayton in season, you could imagine a world in which a Jordan Goodwin or a Tumani Kamara got attached to that type of a trade just to sweeten it up a little bit because the Suns do not have any first-round picks. They only have five seconds. So maybe there's a world in which a trade like Aiton, Goodwin, Kamara, and five seconds for X player, I don't know. I don't think it should happen. I'm not trying to tell you that it will. I just know Matt Ishbia is a, a raving lunatic uh, in a good way uh, when it comes to this stuff. So that's that. That is just to circle back on the, the roster and whether it is complete. The Suns have 15 guys under contract with at least some guaranteed money. Ish Wainwright will not become fully guaranteed until January. They have some of these trade options if they so choose, but there just is not a lot left. And so you're looking at the team. For the foreseeable future, this is what they have. With that said, another loose end of the Cameron Payne deal relates to the point guard spot. Some panic about Jordan Goodwin being effectively the only guy who fits that mold as well as, uh, I think, a little bit of uncertainty about, due to some Sham Sharania tweets about Bradley Beal as the point guard and everything else, who exactly is going to handle the ball on this team and what is the playmaking situation going to be? Next, I want to tell you why that entire line of thinking is completely overrated. I'll tell you what I mean after a quick break. All righty, let's close out the show. I'll tell you what I mean by uh, the line of thinking about the point guard stuff being uh, overrated right now. And, and here's how I will tell it to you. In 20, this past season, 2022-23, the top 15 players in total assists featured, by my count, 
four, five guys who are what I would call traditional point guards. Trey Young, Russell Westbrook, Darius Garland, Chris Paul, Fred Van Vliet. Five players. All right, but let me read you the list top to bottom. Top 15 players in total assists. So that's not per game because things can get uh, a little wonky, but it is total assists by player last season. Trey, Jokic, Harden, Halliburton, Sabonis, Russ, Garland, Luka, Chris Paul, Spencer Dinwiddie, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Fred Van Vliet, Ja, and Killian Hayes. Ja is a traditional point guard, so let's up that to six. Six of 15 players are what I would call traditional point guards from that list. The rest of the list is big men like Jokic and Sabonis and Draymond, or it is big playmakers like Harden or Halliburton or Luka, or it is just sort of combo guards who happen to be the guy on the team who handled the ball the most, like Spencer Dinwiddie, Drew Holiday, Killian Hayes. All right, so that's one data point. Let's go on to team passes, all right? The most pass-happy teams in the NBA last season. The Golden State Warriors, Indiana Pacers, Minnesota Timberwolves, Sacramento Kings, New Orleans Pelicans, Denver Nuggets, and Miami Heat, and Toronto Raptors. All right, those are a good, that's a good place to stop. One, because there's a little bit of a drop-off after that in the number, but also because that is kind of where the trend ends. So because it's my show and I'm telling you information, I get to decide where the uh, imaginary demarcation line goes. Um, But it matters here, and I'll, I'll get to my point. The Warriors, right? They don't have a point guard. Steph Curry is an improved passer. He's the smallest player on the court, so we call him a point guard. Draymond Green was on the list of top 15 assists, I just told you, but they don't have a point guard. The Indiana Pacers, obviously, Tyrese Halliburton would be on there. I think he plays in a very egalitarian sort of, you know, equal opportunity offense, but the dude is 6'7 and was sort of a wing in college, right? He just he just has a, a really high IQ and passing ability, and so he gets that mark, but it's different. And they had a lot of guards. They played multi-guard lineups a lot. Andrew Nemhard, Ben Matherin, etc., The Minnesota Timberwolves had Mike Conley. I think that's pretty close to being a traditional point guard. The Kings, right? They have a point guard. His name's De'Aaron Fox, but he didn't even lead the team in assists, let alone was he in that top 15 in the NBA. So, you know, Sabonis plus Pace plus guys who are comfortable scoring, and Malik Monk, everybody else, that kind of was their recipe. The New Orleans Pelicans certainly don't have a point guard, and that's one of their big problems, but... They have C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson who are all kind of splitting time as the primary ball handler. The Denver Nuggets are very similar. Jamal Murray is not even close to being a traditional point guard. I mean, in fact, started his career primarily as a a wing, as a shooting guard. The Miami Heat do not have a point guard. Gabe Vincent is really like a initiator and play finisher, but he is not going to run you a bunch of pick and rolls and, and get downhill and, you know, toss it into the post and space and run the triangle off. Like he's not doing any of those things. Right. And then last but not least, the Toronto Raptors, they have Van Vliet, but when Van Vliet was off the court, especially, which is not much because they run him into the ground, but that team is, is running the ball through Siakam, through Barnes, you know, whatever the case may be, they are, they are known for how much they spread it around and everything else. And, and certainly do not have a lot of traditional 
point guards on their roster. So what am I telling you all this for? The point is, the Suns are building a roster that actually aligns with the modern NBA as illustrated by those numbers. The best assist guys in the NBA are not all point guards. The best passing, most heavy passing teams, passing heavy teams are not that way because they are led by a traditional point guard, right? I mean, I, I'll, I'll just go back to the top, the top 15 list that I read you guys. Trey and Harden are the numbers one and three in assists. Their teams are nowhere to be found in the passing thing, right? So like none of this is centered on having these ball dominant passer creator guys like, you know, again, Trey Young or, or whoever you want to point to. That's not really what it is. The most prolific passing teams actually tend to not have that. And so the Suns can totally thread the needle of playing modern NBA offense, getting everybody involved, the shooters that they added in free agency, DeAndre Ayton around the basket, all three of the superstars. There are going to be ways to get everybody at their best offensively and, and be an efficient, great, balanced offensive team without having a quote-unquote point guard. I mean, and that's setting aside the fact, frankly, that Cameron Payne was not going to be that anyway. Like Cameron Payne is not Darius Garland, right? Like that. So even that example, it's like, what did they really, they didn't even lose a point guard. They lost a guy who's small, who scores is, is like what Cameron Payne is. I, I understand he's a much improved passer since he came back to the league, but it's not like anybody thought of Cameron Payne as being some sort of, you know, Steve Nash out there, right? It's he, so they didn't even really lose that quote unquote in the first place. Jordan Goodwin is not that anyway. So even the people saying, well, they only have one left. They don't even have one left. This was going to be the way that they ran their team, no matter what Devin Booker to me is certainly a player who, when I'm looking at these assists numbers could easily land in the vicinity of, I mean, you're telling me Devin Booker with the ball in his hands can't tally up the same number of assists as Spencer Dinwiddie or Drew Holiday or Fred Van Vliet? I, I certainly think he can. I don't think the point guard on this team, if we're going to call somebody the point guard just to have the placing of what that person is doing based on like basketball history, although I think that position name is a little bit outdated, if we're going to call somebody that, it's not going to be Bradley Beal. It is going to be Devin Booker, even if Beal is one inch shorter than Booker, so we think of him that way, right? Draymond Green is the point guard of the Warriors, not Steph Curry. I don't care what height they are, right? That's going to be the case here as well. I would even uh, assume that Kevin Durant and Eric Gordon will do a lot more of the ball handling and playmaking than even Beal will. I just don't think that Beal's number one ability is as a passer. It would be a waste to have put him in situations where you're trying to have him create for teammates. That's just, it's something you would like to see him do. It's something that a veteran who's as talented as him should have a general idea of the right read and the right play, but he's not going to be the point guard. But the point is, pun intended, that nobody's going to be the point guard on this team in the traditional way. Again, that term to me 
isn't really useful here. What's going to happen is you are going to have ideally five, but let's say at least three between Booker Beal and, and Durant, guys who can handle the ball, who can bring it up the floor and make the right decision and get the ball to the open spot on the floor. That's really it. You look around the NBA uh, again, and I'll get out of the stats part of this, but even just from a success standpoint, the teams that the Suns are chasing are doing it this way as well. We already talked plenty about the Nuggets, but the Bucks, who I mentioned with Drew Holiday, he's down at 13. That's one of the best teams in the league. The Boston Celtics, Marcus Smart is not a point guard, right? But Derek White is nobody's idea of a traditional point guard, and neither is Malcolm Brogdon, those guys are all players who have been the smallest dude on the court and who can pass, but they are not Darius Garland or Chris Paul out there. Sixers, we talked about Harden. I guess that's sort of what he is in this day and age, but you never really know. The Clippers, Russell Westbrook is on that team now, but I don't know if he's ever been able to be labeled by a position, let alone being called a traditional point guard. I guess that's the closest thing that they have. The Lakers have Gabe Vincent and Austin Reeves. Those guys are not exactly point guards. LeBron is their point guard, if we want to call him that, but he's a different type of guy. Like, it is just my point is here to, it here is to illustrate. There's no need to panic about the Suns not having one of these because they never did after they got rid of Chris Paul. There is also no point in panicking about the Suns not having a point guard because a look around the league would tell you it might be better not to. That'll wrap us up. Back tomorrow. We might be getting some summer league, uh, some, sorry, some G League news in the coming days. I'm looking forward to discussing that. Maybe dip in to the TV deal stuff. We do have lots of Suns news that we haven't gotten to that's a little less about the basketball side, but hit follow or subscribe to get up to date. Get locked on. Stay locked on to your favorite team each and every day by becoming an everydayer here with Locked On Suns. I will catch you guys tomorrow.